Welcome back to episode 72 of the FBL Draft Hub podcast. In this episode, looking ahead to game week 32. Welcome back to the FBL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FBL Draft game. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for another roundup of waiver options, hidden gems and general draft chat ahead of game week 32. I'm still riddled with COVID but feeling uh, much better than I was last week and it always feels a lot more joyous prepping the pod coming off the back of a decent Spurs result. Especially having picked up the resurging FBL star Matt Doherty a few games ago when it became clear he was nailed and I've been generously rewarded for going against one of my pre-season manifesto points which was to stay away from Spurs players. It's even nicer today as uh, I actually come to record as Arsenal coming off the back of a hammering against one of the teams I was going to tell you would have one eye already on the beach. There were some decent hauls to be found in the waiver pile but hindsight is a wonderful thing and had I recommended you pick up Janel, Anderson and Fred this week I don't think many of you would have stayed around to listen for much longer. Aside from Chelsea-Brentford and last night's game at Crystal Palace, scanning the list of scores from the game week so far does not yield many surprises and I think a 0-0 at Turf Moor on Wednesday would cap off a reasonably routine game week. On a side note, I did like Tuchel's post-match interview in which he said, we stopped defending and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because all your defenders have their minds on which apartment they're going to be buying in Barcelona or Turin. One of the things we need to contend with in our valuations now are the teams with very little left to play for in the league fixtures. The title race, top four race uh, and relegation battles are still smouldering nicely, but that middle pack could already have one foot on the beach. So I'm talking about the likes of Leicester, Villa, Southampton, Palace, Brighton, Brentford and Newcastle, who will all be very difficult to gauge week to week, with Leicester and also West Ham naturally beginning to focus their efforts on their respective European competitions and rightly so. This doesn't mean there aren't points to be had from their fixtures, it just makes surprise results part of the landscape. So looking at game week 32, there are a few games which are going to be difficult to call. Newcastle Wolves, Brentford West Ham, Leicester Palace, and this is in a game week that has fixture headaches elsewhere uh, with some tight uh, matchups at the bottom between Norwich and Burnley, Watford and Leeds, and the small matter of Manchester City Liverpool in what is already being billed as the Premier League Cup final, which it certainly is not. And if you don't agree, just look at the remaining fixtures they both have in the run in. Anyway, what's the point in all this? Some will be listening and saying, yeah, Mitch, we know the Premier League can be hard to call, especially as it gets down to the wire. The point is to remind you that you need to decide how you're going to approach these final weeks and make it a conscious decision. Are you going to follow the route on Google Maps and carry on playing the percentages that have gotten you this far? Or are you going to decide to go against the thousands of man hours, millions of complex algorithms and satellite mapping and decide to take a left turn because you know a shortcut? Naturally, this will depend on the circumstances in your league. If you're flying clear in uh, first place, you're probably not going to trade in your first rounders for Deli Alley and Van Der Beek because you've got a hunch that they're going to tear it up. However, if you're mid-table and still a good couple of weeks away from getting to a point where you'd like to be, wavering out all your defenders to pick up the full set of Brentford defenders next week could be the kind of all-in move you need to start considering. You also need to balance your personality with the personality of your rivals, because if they're the kind who could go all-in on a Crystal Palace clean sheet next week, then hedging with a sensibly diverse team may be your differentiating factor. Anyway, some of the players I'll be discussing in this episode include Jack Harrison, Matt Doherty and El Yanusi, plus a few more. So let's get into it. 
So rather than leaving it on that rambling note, I thought I'd quickly bullet point the ways um, you could play the final weeks of the season. And it's worth consciously thinking to yourself now which way you want or need to go in order to steer your waivers and trades in that direction. So firstly, just do as you have been. You're happy to continue with the methods that have seen you get this far um, until the end. Simple, likely the thought process for those sailing comfortably at the top of their leagues. Secondly, you might just want to bunk it down. Um, You're doing well, but rivals are starting to grow in confidence and the gap has been slowly shrinking. You could go with an all-out on defensive blocking. Rival brings in a Wolves defender, so do you. Rival gets in Fraser, you bring in Willock. It's not pretty, it's not exciting, and it's not really fun, but it's your safest bet to keep the pack at arm's length. Particularly useful if you've got an inform enabler like KDB or Kane to keep the points flowing. Many will employ similar moves throughout the season in certain head-to-head matchups anyway, and so this may already be part of your bread and butter draft play. Your other option now is to differentiate yourself. So statistically, most draft players will have ground to catch up on. Maybe not from those listening um, to this pod, because I'm sure most of you will have been steered well away from the chasing pack, given all the amazing information you get from fpldrafthub.com and this amazing podcast. But maybe you're second or third with eyes on the prize. Maybe you're rock bottom and staring at an end of season forfeit in the face. Matching everyone else at this stage is a surefire path to failure. If the guy above you piles in on Leeds defenders next week, you pile in on Watford defenders. If your rivals are playing safe with a diverse lineup, you do the opposite and push all your chips on one team. This is one of the simplest ways to switch up your tactics and makes for an exhilarating game week if you've never done it before. It also has the added fear factor for your opponents as it's a very transparent ploy. When somebody suddenly lines up with five Brighton defenders, maybe you force them to start doing things they're not comfortable with and gain an advantage this way. Chaos is a ladder. Now let's have a look at the fixtures and as it seems to be fairly standard at the moment, any early prep I'm able to do will quickly be undone by new fixture announcements, injuries or something else. Uh, And on Monday evening we got confirmation of how the final fixture roadmap will look, though there are still a few games subject to change based on possible FA Cup results and also European results. The announcements have pretty much all gone into game weeks 36 and 37, so shouldn't change too much for your waiver decisions this week. But now when you at least look at the fixture difficulty tracker on the FBL site, you get a true reflection of how tough each team's run really is. One thing that stands out is Everton and Leicester and possibly Villa 2 have a consecutive double-double game week in 36 and 37 with some reasonably nice fixtures and maybe something we have to start planning for. Um, before it gets too late. Looking at some individual teams, um, Brentford, I actually really like the look of Brentford for the next couple of games, at home to West Ham and then away to Watford. The West Ham fixture is sandwiched right in the middle of West Ham's two-leg European tie with Lyon, and I'm certain there will be some rotation. Every chance the West Ham players' focus is elsewhere as they face Brentford with their tails up. The Brentford attack seems reinvigorated with the arrival of a fully firing Ericsson, and I'll happily cheer Ericsson scoring a late consolation goal against Spurs in game week 34. After last night, I've been rightly woken up to the quiet run of form Crystal Palace have been putting together following their well-deserved victory against Arsenal. They're now unbeaten in the last five with three wins and two draws, including a 0-0 against Manchester City, and now have three clean sheets on the bounce. Their defenders, Anderson, Gehi, Mitchell and Klein, are now all up there in the form table, and we still have the bonus of Kuyate being classed as a defender too, so there are plenty of sixes being handed out over there, 
and none of us seem to have been really looking. But with Wolves, City and Arsenal as that run, I think you can't really blame us. Aside from Man United at home on the final day, they are now done with playing all the big sides and should have enough to solidify a top half finish for only the second time in their history. One of the things I think they've really got going for them is a young, competitive, hungry squad who have all had a taste of first team action. And given a fair crack, it also helps. They've got a couple of strikers now who aren't Benteke. I highlighted Man United last week and I'm still not totally changed on them even after their disappointing performance against Leicester at the weekend. I still think they're a big part of the top four race and whichever mood they're in, Everton and Norwich should not be an obstacle for their attacking stars and also shouldn't pose too much threat to their shaky defence. One team I'm now pretty cold on, uh, Brighton, and I said last week they were a good one-week punch out for a clean sheet against Norwich. They did their job, now it's time to move them out and potentially ignore them for the rest of the season. They can't really score, by no means defensively solid. Um, None of their remaining fixtures look appealing, but they do face a few other teams on the beach, so who knows. Personally, I can't see myself advocating for any of them again. And if I throw Norwich in with them, that at least knocks off 10% of the players out there, which makes my job 10% easier. Now on to the main picks. Um, slightly tricky this week as I'm without my usual global dashboard ownership stats because that's been down for maintenance, as some of you might have been aware, but shouldn't change my talking points too much. So I'm going to start um, with uh, some defender talk, starting with that Friday night match between Newcastle and Wolves. Um, I think the Wolves defenders would be my one-week punts um, for that match. I doubt many will be targeting them, and if you're currently sat with any Brighton or Villa defenders, it could be an easy move to make. Most will target Newcastle in this fixture due to their nice double next week, but their performance at Spurs has made me think the relegation threat pressure has been let off a bit, and they're another team who are already thinking about the summer. As mentioned though, I don't think we can ignore the Newcastle defence and I stand by the prediction that they'll struggle against Wolves but still looking ahead to the next uh, to next week with two home games against Leicester and Crystal Palace. That's two decent shouts at a clean sheet with Norwich away following that. So these next few game weeks are the games in which to try and squeeze every last drop out of those Newcastle assets. Next I wanted to mention Matt Doherty again whose output considering his appearances this season is very good. He's only played the better part of eight games with scattered minutes elsewhere. And from that, he's now got two goals, five assists and a few clean sheets too. With two 14-point hauls and an 18-pointer in there for good measure. He's nailed on to start at right wing back. He's third choice at left wing back, uh, which happens to be very relevant currently with Sessegnon and Reggion both injured. And I think he's a must-have in your squad, um, regardless of what league size you're in. Now next to him in the middle of that defence is Eric Dyer and I don't have any data to massively back this up but uh, as an avid watcher of the Spurs games my gut is telling me that Dyer is due a goal. Um, I would get him over Romero and Davis if I had free choice at the moment. He's also managed to keep up a very impressive disciplinary record of just one yellow card for the season so less likely to end up with a five pointer compared to some of the others. Jack Harrison now has 2-2 in and has proven Premier League history from last season when it comes to putting a run of goal-scoring form together. Watford are not the same team we've gotten used to over the past few months and it will be a lot harder to break down, but it is still Watford and individually there are enough chinks in the armour to let Leeds through um, and Harrison has one of the most informed guys at the moment and likely to be available on your waiver pile. A player who seems to be having a bit of a breakout season for Southampton is El Yunusi. Um, and in the last six games has got a really impressive uh, XG of just under three. 
um, with an expected assist of around one as well. He's currently underperforming that with just the one goal and one assist. Um, but I think uh, he missed a really good chance against Leeds where he seemed to slip as he set himself. So I'm going to let him off for that one. Not a terrible double game week of Arsenal and Burnley. If you can look beyond this week's game against Chelsea, um, in which they will be without uh, Broger. Um, so maybe one to think about this week or one that you can park for next week, depending on how busy your waivers are. Now, I said earlier that uh, I'm no longer going to be really considering Norwich players, but I think the only one worth mentioning for Norwich at the moment is Timu Puki, who has been doing a very satisfactory job for the Canaries recently. And if we look at the last six game weeks as an indicator of form, he's got two goals from an XG of 2.15 and an assist uh, from an expected assist of 1.29. So in other words, performing exactly as his opportunities would suggest he should be um, and outscoring most of the other strikers out there recently. Kalechi Iheanacho is another one I've got noted down here in the season, which hasn't really been uh, a spectacular one for striking options. Took his goal well against United, and if you're able to get him now and hope Vardy isn't rushed back too quickly, you may have him for that very nice double game week in 33, in which Leicester have Newcastle and Everton. Finally, hot off his performance last night is Mateta for Crystal Palace. I think we've seen more than enough now to conclude Mateta is currently the first choice striker for Palace ahead of Eduard and Benteke. I think I was blinkered to how well Eduard has been performing since he came off the bench to score two in his debut against Spurs with a few goals after that. But given the opportunities he's had and admittedly not being a close follower of the goings on at Selhurst Park, he's probably not quite done enough to stay in the team. If we compare the expected stats for Eduard and Mateta on a per start basis, the figures suggest they're getting almost identical opportunities, but Mateta is managing to find the net at a rate that's conservatively around 50% higher than Eduard. Now, I can't really flesh out the hidden gems uh, section properly this week because I don't have the ownership numbers, but the one player I did have penciled in here uh, was Fred. Why the hell not? The bloke has more goals and more assists than Jaden Sancho over the season and actually seems to be the only player in the United midfield injecting some energy at the moment, which is why it's probably no fluke that he's the one popping up with the attacking returns. Again, I'm flying blind on the most hidden gem pick uh, this weekend, so um, uh, I'm going to have to guess from the cohort of players who I think will largely be available in 16-team leagues. And I reckon there's a good shout that there's plenty of Watford defenders knocking around their defensive display impressed me against Liverpool, despite the fact that they lost. Um, and I think a clean sheet against Leeds um, doesn't seem to be uh, far beyond the realm of possibility. Um, so somebody like Kiko Femenia would probably be my pick this week. So that's it. And before I get into the usual closing bits and pieces, we at FPL Draft Hub would like your help. We want FPL Draft Hub to be the best it can be. And so over the next few weeks, we'll be collecting feedback on the website features and also on this podcast to see if there are any common themes that emerge so we can take note before next season, which will be with us before you know it. If you head over to Twitter um, and go to my page at FPL Draft Hub Pod, um, there will be a link for the questionnaire, which will appear as the pinned tweet at the top of the feed. Or alternatively, just click into the show notes on whichever platform you're listening to this on, and there will be a link at the top there too. For those who are signed up to fpldrafthub.com already, we will also be sending the link for the feedback form out via an email in the coming days. It won't take very long to fill out, and if there's something you want to see provided, now is your chance to let us know. 
We have a Thursday waiver deadline this week ahead of the Friday night football match between Newcastle and Wolves. So make sure you don't miss out on getting the guys you want. Best of luck for all your draft teams out there. And as always, stay shook.